0: Hello. Welcome to the myths and history of Greece and Rome. Well, as you can tell, my voice is very nearly back to normal now, so here is the first of the two episodes that I promised would come out in quick succession. Chapter 132, Back in the West, Part 2. So, it's time for a brief look at what's been happening in Western Europe since the last time we ventured there. Obviously, the most momentous change in that part of the world had been the accession of Charlemagne to the throne of the Franks and the creation of the Holy Roman Empire. The Holy Roman Empire had risen as a genuine rival to the Byzantine Empire, which of course still thought of itself as the real Roman Empire. When Charlemagne died in 814, he was king of the Franks, king of the Lombards, and Holy Roman Emperor. He'd also given his son the title of king of Aquitaine. The son of Charlemagne was made of pretty strong stuff and managed to hold on to his father's lands and even conquer some others in the early years of his reign. The name that this son of the great man is known to history by is Louis the Pious. As such, he became the first king called Louis to reign over the lands we now know of as France. He is Louis I. Many, many famous kings of France have had this great name. Most notable are Louis IX, who became a saint, Louis XIV, the Sun King, and of course Louis Sixteenth, who lost his head in the French Revolution. Anyway, back to Louis I. As king of Aquitaine before his father's death, Louis had taken Barcelona and Pamplona in Spain for the empire. When he became emperor, and of course acquired his other titles, his early years were very successful. The frontiers were not put upon too much in the early years of his reign, as the tribes were still too afraid of Carolingian power to start raiding. Louis decided he should divide his many lands among his sons, so that on his death each would be king of somewhere. Now we know this is never a good idea, but he did it anyway. This resulted in what is known as the Partition of Aachen. This was supposed to work. Louis's eldest son Lothair would be emperor, and in theory the two younger sons who inherited the other parts of the imperial lands would be subordinates to him. Of course, it was never going to work. Louis's wife died in 818, and Louis married again. Inevitably, he then had a fourth son, and his attempts to bring this extra person into the Partition of Aachen caused 20 years of civil war. When Louis the Pious died in 840 it all went to pot. The brothers, and half-brother, fought with each other. They all frequently changed sides and allied with each other in various different ways. This clearly could not go on, and it resulted in the very historically important Treaty of Verdun. This treaty went a long way to creating some of the states of modern Europe. The eldest son, Lothair, kept the title of Holy Roman Emperor. His lands are called Middle Francia, which was a portion of land which now forms the border regions of modern France and Germany, as well as part of modern Switzerland and northern Italy. The second son, known as Louis the German, received East Francia, which corresponds roughly to modern Germany and Austria, as well as some lands further east. The half-brother and youngest son of Louis the Pious, Charles the Bold, received West Francia. This is really important, as it was the germination of the state of France. Pepin, the third brother, received Aquitaine, but only as underlord to Charles. A full account of what happened to the empire once controlled by Charlemagne is well beyond the scope of this podcast, so we will concentrate on the events which led to the states in existence at the start of the First Crusade, which is where we will find Western Europe interfering in the affairs of the Byzantine Empire. The Frankish lands were briefly united in the late 800s under the kingship of Charles the Fat. This was the last time the lands would ever be united, and once he retired and then died in 888, the various parts of Charlemagne's empire would permanently go their separate ways. West Francia slowly disintegrated over the following hundred years, as the Carolingian tradition of splitting lands up among sons produced smaller and smaller kingdoms. A few years before the First Crusade, the King of the Franks, and nominally therefore King of France, had held very little territory outside Paris. Philip I slowly began to add lands to his domain, but was excommunicated a couple of times by the Pope for various transgressions, including taking a new wife as he decided his legal spouse was too fat. William I of England, and subsequently William II, held far more power in French lands than the actual king. Philip was on the throne in France, for what that was worth, when Pope Urban II made his famous speech, more of which we will hear of in the next chapter. At this time, what we now know of of France, was split into a multitude of different dukedoms, some of whose leaders will be leading figures in the First Crusade. Burgundy, Aquitaine, Brittany, Gascony, Normandy, Normandy, Champagne and the county of Flanders were effectively independent kingdoms. Normandy, as we have already heard, was under the control of a Scandinavian people we now know as the Normans. Their power and prestige was considerably greater than the nominal kings of France at the time. It's at this point that I have to mention that the French have had much better nicknames for their kings than we English did. Maybe it's a lack of imagination on our part, or maybe it's simply that the French have had much more interesting kings. The best the English kings can do in terms of nicknames are things like Edward Longshanks, which means that Edward was quite tall. Then there is Henry Beauclerc, meaning Henry the Scholar. The French do much better. They have Charles the Fat, Charles the Mad, Philip the Amorous, Louis the Cunning, Louis the Sun King – The French monarchy seems full of interesting characters. We're not going to meet many of them in our story, but I recommend that you look some of them up. The Holy Roman Empire continued after the death of Charles the Fat, and the separation of the various Frankish kingdoms. The great Emperor Otto I united the various parts of East Francia in the latter part of the 10th century, and turned the disparate factions into a single, partially unified kingdom. At this point, the Holy Roman Empire controlled the territory we now know as Germany, Austria, Switzerland and Northern Italy. He is deservedly known as Otto the Great. He also took on the title of King of Germany, indicating that the various German tribes had at last agreed their common ancestry indicated they should have a united kingdom. The kingdoms remained united throughout the period up to the First Crusade. By the time that Urban made his tumultuous speech, the Holy Roman Emperor, King of Germany and King of Italy was Henry IV. Spain had suffered complete disintegration in the later years of the first millennium. In the later years of the 11th century, the Iberian Peninsula consisted of a patchwork of Muslim and Christian kingdoms. England, in contrast to the Frankish kingdoms, went through a period of consolidation during the 9th century and later. It is generally recognised that Athelstan became the first king of the whole of England in 927. Athelstan is known as Athelstan the Glorious, which slightly goes against my complaint about the nicknames of English kings. Athelstan seized York and the Saxon kingdom of Northumbria, and at that time was ruler of all England. Athelstan was the great-grandson of Alfred, king of Wessex, who set the process in motion. Alfred is, of course, Alfred the Great. The kingdom maintained its unity despite a number of civil wars, until a Danish invasion which led to the rule of Knut, who we now know as King Canute, and his sons for a few years in the early 11th century. The rule of the Danes was contested by Ethelred the Unready, a descendant of the Anglo-Saxon English kings. Ethelred's son, Edward, became King of the English in 1042, after the death of the last of Canute's sons. Edward, known to history as Edward the Confessor, consolidated English rule over England and reigned for more than 20 years. In his earlier life, exiled when the Danes had ruled England, Edward spent a lot of time in Normandy. His gratitude for the asylum caused him to name William of Normandy as his successor. Edward's control of his kingdom was sometimes weak, and he relied on the Godwin family to help him continue in power. He named Harold Godwinson, one of the leaders of the Godwin family, as his heir. Oh dear. There was very little chance of these two named heirs striking an equitable deal, and of course they didn't, In 1066, the two named heirs battled and William of Normandy won. He proved to be a shrewd monarch who, who knew he didn't know anything about governing England. He let the old laws remain and ruled through them. When he died in 1089, he was succeeded without difficulty by his son William Rufus. It was this man, William II, who was on the throne when Pope Urban made his bid for history. Which just leaves us with the papacy. Relations between the Eastern and Western churches had been strained throughout the Dark Ages. It's well beyond the scope of this story to detail all of the various engagements between the papacy and the various Eastern and Western powers, but by the time Urban II became Pope, he had many problems. The papacy was in dispute with the German emperors, and there was a rival Pope in place during his early years. Urban toured France and Italy trying to consolidate his rule over the church, When he received an envoy from the Byzantine emperor, Alexius Comnenus, Urban saw his chance to consolidate his rule and his power over the Western leaders. The First Crusade was as much an attempt to consolidate his power as it was a genuine call to arms for Christianity. Nobody realised the potential ramifications of his actions in response to Alexius' request. But 1095 and all that was more important to the future of the West than 1066 and all that ever was. Next time, we will launch the First Crusade. And that next time will hopefully only be a couple of days. So, have a great couple of days, and I'll speak to you next time.